Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. have the opportunity to counsel people outside of the church and these individuals who come to see me it's it's for a number of different reasons but a lot of times it's people who don't attend church or haven't attended church in a very long time and typically the reason for this is pretty much the same the reason is usually that they have been damaged or they've been hurt by the church not necessarily that they didn't grow up in church but often that they've been damaged or hurt by the church and i have one goal with these individuals beyond obviously trying to help them and that goal is to try to be salt and light. That, that goal is to try in the short period of time that I have with them, if this is like a one-hour counseling session or if it's something that's, that's set up over the course of a few weeks or a few months, to be that salt and light, for them to be able to see the authentic, true nature of who Jesus is in that short period of time. And you know, to do that, I don't have to shove Scripture down their throat. I don't have to invite them to my church 16 times while they're there. I don't even have to bring up God like every other word. There are so many ways that we can authentically be salt and light in the world, and that is my desire. And it's one of the reasons that this is one of the first things after the Beatitudes that we talked about last week that Jesus shares with the disciples. And this salt and light, I've, I've come to look at this differently over, my li- over the course of my life because when I was a kid growing up, salt and light was taught to me in the church and in culture surrounding me that had to do with the church was that salt and light predominantly meant anyone that you saw, you went up and you talked about Jesus and you told about Jesus and you basically offered the plan of salvation to anyone that you would, you would uh, run into. And I'm not saying that that doesn't have a place. I'm not saying that that's also not very important, but there are other forms of evangelism. So as I've studied this sermon over the last few years, and let me tell you, I'm obsessed with this sermon. I go to it all the time. This is my ethical system. This, this, This predicts how I make almost every single decision in my life. This little area nestled in Matthew 5 through 7. And if I feel I find anything in Scripture that contradicts what's here, I always go to the original teachings of Jesus here whenever I'm making important decisions. So as I look at salt and light today just a little bit differently, I think this, if I can truly in my life embody the ethics of Jesus, if I can deal with my anger in a productive way, if I can admit my pride and ask forgiveness, if I can forgive other people, if I can turn the other cheek, if I can turn all of my mental mental and physical attention, uh, as far as lust is concerned, toward my spouse, if I can exercise to do that, all of these things that we see embodied in this sermon, then all of a sudden people are going to start asking me, why are you different? Like, like what's, what is your motivating factor? What is it that is pushing you in this direction? So it doesn't have to be me hitting people in the head with a Bible or trying to pour myself out all the time to people. It's living a certain way that is countercultural 
to the way that we see uh, within our culture at large, our society at large. And I believe that this is what it means to be salt and light in the world. And this is what we're going to talk about today. How do we actually live this way? So we're in the second part of a 10-part series on the Sermon on the Mount. And what I really want you guys uh, to encourage you guys to do, our recording was not wonderful this past Sunday, but go back and listen to the podcast or, or listen on our, our Facebook page to the message whenever we recorded it so that you, you at least have an introduction because there is so much there that is so important that is going to carve out what we talk about over these next several weeks. And it's really going to introduce a lot of the important themes because we talk about the Beatitudes. You guys are, are familiar with the, the Beatitudes. If you didn't hear last week, blessed are those who do this. Blessed are those who do this. Happy are those who do this. It comes from the Greek word makarios, which means to fully thrive in this world. So if you haven't had a chance to do this, what we're going to talk about is going to make a lot more sense. Always if you hear the first message. Sometimes you can miss a third one or like a sixth one or an eighth one. But the first one really sets the groundwork for where we're going to be. So this is part two today. Uh, this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, we called it the most important sermon in history. Also part of the most original teachings of Jesus in history. And it, con it, it concerns the basic ethics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And Cliff Note, a lot of people who call themselves Christians do not follow these ethics. All right. In fact, we're very, very far apart from what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, okay? So today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible, we don't have the advantage of screens, which is why when the music was going on, some of you were kind of just with your hands in your pockets, kind of looking around. If you don't know the words to a lot of these songs, we don't have screens. We're very old school today, all right? So uh, what we're looking at is Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go down to verse 13. That's where we're going to start, and we're going to talk about salt and light. Just a few verses that we're going to look at today. And this is what Scripture says. This is the Common English Bible. You, he's talking to the disciples, all right? And that means if you're a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you today through this exact language. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. But you're not just the salt, you're the light of the world. A city on top of a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things and do the good things and praise your Father who is in heaven. So right after this beginning, what we call the sermon within the sermon or the introduction to the sermon in the Beatitudes, we have this passage on salt and light. Now, I think that this can be a little bit confusing for a variety of reasons, and I think we need to consider its placement here close to the beginning of the sermon. Why is Jesus talking about salt and light of all the teachings that we have why is Jesus talking about salt and light at the beginning of the sermon? Now, if you go down throughout history and you look at scholarship, there are, a, there are many different ways and many different explanations for why salt is used and what salt is supposed to mean. Here's a few examples. It's been suggested that salt could be used because it's rever referring to a preservative or something that keeps things from getting older, things from decaying. It could be referring to its tastiness. 
as something that endures, as a purifying agent, or most generally the disciple's influence in the world. So there's a lot of speculation about what salt is actually supposed to mean. All right, and then you have light. Okay, light in the Old Testament symbolizes many overlapping ideas like instruction, the law, righteousness, and God's presence. And most of this comes from the prophetic moments in Isaiah. So this still brings about the question, when Jesus is talking about salt and light, what does this actually mean? And I think a lot of people are known to take liberties with this. Well, it probably means this, or it probably means that. New Testament scholar Jonathan Pennington suggests that there is an area where salt and light actually overlap and work together. And this is the area of covenant. All right, so the idea of covenant in the Old Testament is that you, as the people of Israel, are always going to be protected. You are going to be taken care of. Why? Because you're God's people. This also applies in the New Testament to followers of Jesus, this covenant that we have through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus. We are also part of this covenant. We are in here right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are covenant people. All right, we're part of this covenant. So this is what Colin Smothers said. Both the salt and the light metaphors are communicating the same idea that Jesus' disciples are now heralds of the, news and la- the new and lasting covenant being affected by Jesus today. So salt per- personifies permanence. We are God's people, and he is going to keep us. That's what covenant means. You've accepted Jesus at some point in your life. You're trusting him with everything. You are part of a covenant and you are covenant people. Salt, permanence. Light personifies that we are able to shine and reveal these ethics that we are talking about. So the question is, as I gave you the example of what I believe light means, does light mean, oh, you're inviting all your friends to church, or on Sunday you're always there, or you're trying to tell everybody, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, but you're not necessarily ethically following what Jesus commands us to follow. I read something recently, and this just, it was a tweet that I saw, and it just absolutely blew my mind, and it was talking about the, 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 the dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and then hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people who have left the church. We know that a lot of people have left the church. The question is, why have so many people, as they grew up, Generation X, Generation Y, or Millennials, Generation Z, why are they leaving the church in so so great of numbers? And I never could have said this better myself, but the way that I read it was this. What kids saw, uh, kids like a lot of you in here, and some of you are just a little bit older than me, and some of you that are younger than me, is a publicly practiced faith meaning attending services on a regular basis that was never practiced in a private life. A public, we're going to church, we're church people, make sure you grab the Bible and it's Independence Day, make sure you hold it right beside the American flag, we're good evangelical people. 
but never a true practice of turning your cheek. Never a true practice of understanding that lust is something that starts in the heart. Saying that you follow Jesus by giving the minimum amount to the church while storing up your treasures here. Public life, you're going to be in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. We have a revival. You're going to be there. You're going to walk this line. But they just never saw dad treat mom good. And they just never saw their parents treat the person across the street good. They never saw the metaphor of of, of foot washing in the lives of their parents. So this is what any person is going to ask with any rational, with with any brain cells whatsoever. Why in the world would I want to dedicate so much of my time that my own flesh and blood cannot work out as authentic in their life. Light, the ethics of Jesus. Jesus is teaching me more and more and more with my kids and my wife that our ministry is at home first and that it does no good to try to show the ethics of Jesus before you if I am not working those ethics into the life of my family, and the same goes for for Beth. So what this means is that we are to see ourselves as covenant kingdom bringers, individuals who are bringing heaven to earth, individuals who truly understand what it means to live with an open hand and generosity. Individuals who truly understand and know what it means that when they're walking down the street because they have their agenda programmed here about where they're going to eat, completely ignoring the person on the side of the road. We have missed the mark. We have missed these ethics. And it's contagious and it's attractive whenever people see these ethics worked out. It's transforming in our hearts and in our lives. Now, theologian David Gushy has a way that he explains salt and light that I think is going to be very helpful for us today as a body, but also as individuals. He says, we see ourselves as as salt, which should be a model of community. All right, so we don't have slides today, but salt should be a model of community. And light should be a model for caring for the world. Salt, a model for community. Light, how do we care for the world? So the question throughout the rest of this sermon Jesus is teaching, the questions are these. What does a Christ-centered community actually look like? As you tell yourself, oh, we got songs, we got a sermon, we got offering plates going around, we got, we dress in nice clothes, we've got this and we've got that. No, that's not correct. A Christ-centered community actually looks a little bit different than that. Because we're talking about a 24-7 community, not a one-hour community on Sunday. And then with light, what does caring for the world actually look like? You mean caring for those sinners? You mean caring for those people that are not like us? You mean caring for those people that vote different than us? 
You mean caring for those people that we absolutely despise? That's exactly who I'm talking about. So what does it mean to look like a Christ-centered community, and what does it look like to care for the world? And when we understand those two things and we internalize those things, we as Believers Church will come to understand what it really looks like to be a salt and light community. And there is a reason that Jesus is talking about this so early. Because before he gets into love for neighbors, anger, retribution, justice, all of these other issues, salt and light must be understood. Now, I want to share with you why this is so timely and why this is so important for us. We are on the back end, we hope, okay? We are on the back end of the greatest pandemic our generation has ever known. And people are looking for answers. People have questions around them. People were leaving the church in droves before, and this has just escalated to where a lot of our people, before I was here, that were very, very committed, they're just not coming back. I mean, a year out of church, 12, uh, 14 months out of church, that's a pretty good period of time to get out of the habit. So that, that's why this idea of salt and light is so important right now. So when we're talking about salt, what do we mean by model of community? What do we mean by that? We know that community is one of our, our core values. What do we mean when we say as salt, we're to be a model of community? Jesus is calling his disciples to a morally vigorous way of life. And what this means is that they are supposed to be a repentant community a repentant community. So while we talk about all of these wonderful ideas that are fun, and we talk about all of these wonderful ideas that we would love to see, like true, authentic love for every single person, before we are in a place that we are capable of doing that, we must be repentant people. And that must mean, because one of the things that I approached our men's study with the first, uh, the first time that I was able to attend there, because I wasn't able to be there the first time, but the first time that I was able to be there and lead, is that I believe that we have very, very strong female leadership in our church, and that sometimes our male leadership is not as strong. And sometimes that's because there are issues that some of us have within that we need to deal with. For me, it was alcohol. I hid it, I covered it up, I justified it because I was a functioning alcoholic, but whenever I actually confessed that and repented of that and dealt with that, the sky was the limit with what God wanted to do with my life. And that is the case with some of you that are holding on tightly. And it doesn't have to be something like alcohol. It could be anger towards someone. It could be pornography. It could be things that you're concealing from other people. It could be a number of different things that you're going through. But we have to be a repentant community, because we believe that this is, this is what it means to be morally vigorous. This is how some of you think. Vote Republican. And if I vote Republican, I'm, I'm, I'm morally vigorous. Be an advocate for social justice. And if I'm an advocate for social justice and I'm caring about broken people, then, then I must be there. Join an evangelical church. If I get in the right church that's talking about Jesus all the time, I'll be there. Uh, be woke, which is what we see now, okay? Uh, stand for everything that has to do with discrimination. Listen, while some of those things may be great 
in themselves. Jesus wants all of you, all of you. And this conversation about salt and light makes no sense if you are trying to walk forward while still holding on to pieces of your, I about went, pieces of your past. You got to let it go. You've got to leave it at an altar, which I don't know if this has ever been used as an altar before. Maybe we'll use it today. But there are things that you need to release and let go if you're ever going to be a model for community, if you're ever going to be a safe place for this world. The Spirit must do work within you. Because it scares me to death to think about a lot of evangelical Christians, the ones that I was just talking about, that want to go tell the world about Jesus. They've not dealt with anything within them. It turns into a power or a control thing. I'm right, you're wrong. And I'm going to convince you of that. And if I can't convince you of that, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, that's the love of Jesus. That really looks like the love of Jesus. Salt and light. Remember that salt is related to permanence meaning that the church is supposed to be a community that stays. You know what I've heard people say the difference between uh, Christian missionary efforts overseas and secular efforts overseas? People will often say it's the Christians that stay. The church is a place that stays. And that means that when people are hurting, when you have a, a woman that you care about deeply as a body that is going through a divorce, you're in her corner. When you have someone that is struggling with addiction and they've relapsed and they've messed up, you still go to that individual and you care for them. And you make the church a model of what heaven is supposed to look like on earth. Please get this idea of walking around on clouds and enjoying your golden streets and your mansion and all these things that are material things that go directly to what's good for you and start thinking about what it looks like to pour deeply into others. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself on earth as it is in heaven. Not just a cute slogan and not just a song, but a reality that we are supposed to be looking into here and people have told me, you know, what do you think heaven is going to look like? Is, is, is it going to, you know, be all of these things that St. Peter talks about in Revelation, the way that this, or John talks about it, the way that it's supposed to look? And I'm like, I don't care. Give me Jesus. That's all that matters. I don't care about anything else. I want to be able to see the one that showed salt and light to this broken person and spend my eternity that way. Put me in a broken down shack for all I care. If heaven has those, if heaven has those, Beth will end up, I'm just convinced of that. All right. Now that's more personal, but anyway, all right. So Scott McKnight refers to the church as an alternative or a pioneering community. This means the church is to be clearly set apart from the way that everything looks. And the problem is we want to make the church more and more and more and more like culture. Salt and light means that people are drawn to a contagious environment because they see something different, not something that brings disgust. Okay, so what does it mean to, to, to be light or to care for the world? Because we're not doing a very good job at caring for the world. 
all right? Our idea of caring for the world is just pull them into church and get them saved, all right? That's, and that's, an, that's a great idea, but that's the only idea often that we have. But Jesus, as he goes on into this sermon, he shows us what it's like to care for the world prior to this passage in the Beatitudes. And after this passage, we see that Jesus has a special kind of affection for the vulnerable. And as a light of the world, the church should be a place that speaks the language of the broken, that speaks the language of the poor, that speaks the language of the destitute, that speaks the language of people that struggle. You're in here right now. And you think to yourself, I'm having a very, very serious bout with depression. And I promise you I've been there. And I don't know what I'm going through. And nobody understands me. Guess what? Jesus speaks that language. I, am poor. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And I think I try to make everything look okay on the outside, like things are wonderful, but I don't know what to do. Jesus speaks that language. You're in a place from the outside where your marriage looks great, but the truth is you argued the entire way here. In fact, maybe you're here right now without your spouse. Jesus speaks that broken language, and this is how salt and light are ushered in. Light specifically as a place of safety. You are always safe, but we don't project that, and that's the problem. The world doesn't see a safe place. Sees a judgmental place, sees a place where they don't fit in, sees a place where as soon as people walk in, a lot of the time they feel really awkward, they don't know where to go, they don't know what to do, and so often we're zoned out in our little people groups that we're not paying attention to anyone. We're not even looking to create those safe environments. At Believer's Church, our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Our picture of the future or our vision is to create environments where the kingdom of God is both visible and contagious. And maybe you want to know today how to be part of one of these environments. Maybe you're here, and I know we have a lot of our regular people that are here today, but maybe you're interested. If, if, if we're serious about bringing this, this light in this form of community, one thing that I can tell you is that we can use you Regardless of where you are in your journey, we can use you. And this would be a lot easier if we were at the church and we had our connect cards and ways for you to sign up. But we have a first impressions ministry that greets people. We have a guest services ministry uh, that takes care of information for new people that come to our church. We have a worship band. We have a tech team. We have real kids, uh, K through five ministry, or, uh, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, that's the same thing. Uh, infancy through fifth grade. We have um, Ignite Student Ministry. There are a lot of ways that you can serve within the body, within the church. But there are also ways outside of the building that you can serve. There are outreach ways that you can serve because we believe that the light is supposed to be taken to people. And there are two things that I want to mention that are coming up this month, later this month. One is something that we're calling Neighborhood Nights that we're starting very soon. And the specific reason we're starting this is to be the salt and light in the world. And this is where once a month we're going right down to, if you're familiar with Jack's subdivision, uh, J-A-X, the trailer park right down from the road, uh, right down from the church. We're going to have a uh, once a month block party, kids activities, food, 
uh, time to get to know people, neighbors that are right around the church. We want to be a neighboring church. And you're going to have the opportunity to sign up for those and to do different things through that ministry so that we can not just hold religious services, but be salt and light in the community around us. Also, starting a little bit later this month, we have the Lunchroom Project. And this is where every single Monday, but because of the, the shift of, of the people at the factory, we had to change it from Monday to Friday. But we're going to be serving lunch every single Monday from 11 to 1 for anyone from the community, but specifically the people that work at Green Tech Environmental right above us to be able to come down. I mean, how much when you got a 30-minute lunch break, how convenient is it? to have lunch right below you. You don't have to go pay for something. You don't have to eat in your car. Every single Monday, these are some of the ways that we're practicing salt and light in the neighborhood. And you might ask, why do these ministries exist? What purpose do they possibly serve the church? To help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. And I'll share something with you that makes me very happy and very excited. Our church has a salt and light mission. Our church has a salt and light vision. Our core values, formation, community, servanthood, multiplication, salt and light, a desire to take the church outside of the church, and be Jesus among other people. Not to be religious people, not to be self-righteous, not to think that we are better, not to say, I told you so, not to try to get even, none of those things. But to really understand what it means to love and to serve the people that are around us, especially the people within our church that are just out the front door or just out the back door that God has blessed us with in these locations. As we close, uh, well-known pastor Timothy Keller, some of you may be feel, uh, familiar with Timothy Keller, has discussed what the uh, post-COVID church is going to look like. All right, some of the things that we really need to pay attention to, and I can promise you that this works really, really well for Believer's Church. The first is this, neighborhoods and communities will be more vibrant than ever. And some of you that know what it feels like to pretty much be shut in or locked in or told you can't do this or you can't do that for the last year, people are going to want to get out and grill. People are going to want to get out and shoot basketball and pass baseball. People are going to want to get out and spend time with families and neighbors in ways that they haven't in the recent past because we're so tired of being shut in and, and told or, or, or some by choice not to do things. So it works to our advantage to be able to reach out to people, to show people that we are a place of hope. But also something that he said, and this, this is so important for us, and I want you to hear this. Churches have to be viewed as safe places and as places of hope. So the question in the back of so many minds Am I going to be judged if I go there? Well, if she's going to beg me to go to church once a year, I'll go this one time. If I'm going to have to go, I guess I'll go. You know that experience. And if you don't know that experience, it means that you grew up so strongly within the system 
that you've just never experienced that. But the majority of your neighbors, a lot of your friends, the people that you work with, that's exactly where they are. And they want absolutely nothing to do with church. But what if a person knew, like a recovery center, or maybe a hospital, or a school, that whenever they went to church, it was a safe place. It was a place that because of their struggles and because of their brokenness, it was a place that they understood spoke the same language because we speak the language of Jesus. What if we were so in tune with what that looks like, what that feels like, and the Spirit was so at work in who we are that instead of people leaving in droves, people were coming in droves. And they looked at Believer's Church and they said, that's a safe place. That's a place where they will love you. Whenever you walk in the front door, you can feel that something is different. So we can, pro- we can play religious games and we can program things and we can try to give you guys a nice Sunday morning production. Or we can be salt and light in the world that we live in. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, our prayers as as we look forward at an exciting day, Father, a hopeful day, that we will really look, Father, at our future and who we are at these teachings. And know, Father, that these are not suggestions. Or to know that these are, are not recommendations. And they are certainly not things that we can avoid. But Father, I pray if there is something within us right now or or something within the life of a family right now that, that you will break them, God, and that you will put them in a place, Father, where they need to see you in the deepest way possible in order for them to be able to go forward and be the salt and the light of the world. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.